Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, so, Randy, how's it going? Oh, it's going okay. Uh, you know, it's first uh, week back at work after the holidays. I know it is for you, too, right? Yep. Yeah, and so, you know, everyone's asking me if I got any Star Trek stuff for the holidays, and... I have to tell them. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> kind of like, a, I think last episode, we might have talked a little bit about that. Um, the fact that it kind of alternates for me between Wars and Trek. And uh, last year was a big Trek year, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then this year is going to be a big Star Wars year. Yeah. So, but as we were saying before we recorded, we got we to gotta get the Wars out, focus on the Trek. That's let right. the Trek in. We got to focus on Star Trek Enterprise season one, episode six, Terra Nova. Hmm. Is that um, Latin for New Earth? Yes, I think so. I was going to make a joke. Did you think I was going there like, <laughs> with a joke about it? But no. It's oh, it was the name of that uh, uh, TV show, the short-lived TV show about the people who living with the dinosaurs. Terra Nova. Hmm. I don't remember. Who I don't remember that. that. Oh, well, see, there you go. Anyways. <laughs> it, was it like Dino Riders? Mm, no, not even that cool. Oh. Uh, original air date for Terra Nova was October 24th, 2001. Mm. On the bridge, Mayweather and Hoshi, your favorite person, are looking at a computer terminal. And they're looking at images of an Earth-like planet and some human colonists. Uh, Archer enters, and the three crew members talk about Terra Nova, a lost colony. Uh, Archer tells them that they'll find out if there's anyone still on Terra Nova when they get there in about three hours and 17 minutes. Uh, then the opening credits. In Archer's dining room, Archer and Trip tell T'Pol about Terra Nova, the, quote, great experiment. Uh, Terra Nova is on Earth-like planet less than 20 light years away from Earth, and it took nine years to get there and nine years back. Uh, no one has heard from Terra Nova in over 70 years after relations broke down between the colonists and Earth. Uh, Earth was uh, going to send 200 more colonists to Terra Nova because there wasn't any more habitable planets within reach. But the original colonists on Terra Nova had been there for five years and didn't want any more people showing up. Uh, T'Pol asked why they didn't ask the Vulcans to check in on Terra Nova, but Tripp says asking the Vulcans for favors usually comes with too high a price. Uh, the, the note I wrote down is that Terra Nova is basically the Roanoke colony. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, yeah, so look that up on Wikipedia if you don't know what it is. <laughs> is there some kind of Vulcan analogy there with native peoples, or I'm not really sure. I don't know. Probably not. On the bridge, Mayweather tells Archer that they've reached Terra Nova. Archer hails the colony, but there's no response. Uh, T'Pol detects no biosigns, despite the colony being intact. Uh, there's also a low-level surface radiation detected. They view the colony on screen, and Tripp says it looks like a ghost town. Uh, T'Pol informs them that a few hours of exposure to the radiation should be okay. So Archer takes Reed, uh, T'Pol, and Mayweather, and he hands the bridge to Tripp. 
So not the entire bridge crew this time. <laughs> not the entire like senior staff of the Enterprise, at least. Yeah, only the coolest guy gets has to stay behind. Yeah, right. What's up with that? Well, he did have his own episode. So. Yeah, true. I wonder if they were concerned that, you know, he might get pregnant again. <laughs> If he encountered the, uh, if they encountered any, uh, lost colonists on the surface. Uh, at Terra Nova, the way team sees what, uh, sees that the town is empty, uh, so much so that a literal tumbleweed floats by. <laughs> uh, there are signs all where there was life. There's a bicycle, a welcome mat, but no people. Uh, there's no sign of weapons fire. Archer wants Mayweather to go to the communications tower and find out what the colony's last transmission was. T'Pol says that 70 years ago, the radiation would have been lethal. Archer notes that the radiation couldn't have killed them because there are no bodies. And they couldn't have left the planet because the colony is comprised of pieces of their ship. Elsewhere, Reed is exploring a wooded area. He sees someone running away from him, so he calls Archer and pursues the stranger. He eventually ends up at a cave. Archer and T'Pol show up, and Archer calls Mayweather and tells him to bring them some flashlights. That is the best technology they have, is flashlights. <laughs> Expecting to, to call them. I remember making a mental note when, when he asked for flashlights. For them to call them something, like illuminators <laughs> or something like that. I mean, because you probably remember the the weird little flashlights from The Next Generation where they kind of held them in the palm of their hand. Mm -hmm. It was not a typical flashlight, but no, they just have flashlights. No, it's just straight up flashlights. Yeah. Or maybe I was expecting like a British sci-fi show and they call them torches. I don't know. <laughs> in uh, Voyager, didn't they have the wrist mounted uh, flashlights? Yeah, that was interesting. I always thought that was funny. It was like the evolution of the next generation ones. Like you were showing technology. I always thought that was kind of neat in Star Trek, by the way, as a little side note, how they showed the technology kind of, uh, evolving and that even went to that even um kind of translated to the communicator pens that they wore everything kind of evolved over time mm -hmm. archer and reed enter the cave uh flashlights and phase pistols in their hands outside mayweather and t'pol are standing guard uh, inside reed and archer find signs of life there are racks of dried lizard skins and drawings on the cave walls Archer then finds a modern knife among all this prehistoric stuff. Uh, Reed notices that they're being watched from above, and Archer tries to communicate with them, telling them that they mean no harm. Uh, one of the cave people pops out a gun in his hand. It's like a machine gun, not a energy weapon. Uh -huh. uh, and Reed shoots them. When Reed and Archer look back up, the other cave dwellers have disappeared. Suddenly, another gun-toting cave person starts shooting at them. Archer and Reed flee, but they get lost. Archer calls to Paul for directions as they run for their lives. Uh, Reed gets hit and falls, then he gets grabbed. One of the cave dwellers leaps out of the cave and knocks down Mayweather, but T'Pol blasts him with her face pistol. Uh, T'Pol scans the body. Then Archer, T'Pol, and Mayweather run to the shuttle pod and leave the planet, leaving Reed behind. Uh, as they're leaving, T'Pol informs others that the enemies aren't aliens, they're humans. Dun-dun-dun. Back on Enterprise, Archer, T'Pol, and Mayweather are on their way to the bridge. Archer calls Trip and asks what they've found. 
Trip says there are 52 biosigns, all human. Archer just wants to get read out. Uh, Archer says that these are the descendants of the colonists, and they haven't seen other humans before, so the Enterprise crew members would look strange to them. Now, wait, one one second. Did, didn't they initially say that there were no biosigns, or was it because they were only looking on the surface of the planet? It must have been because they were just looking at the surface. Yeah, they didn't make that very clear. Yeah. In the Situation Room, uh, Trip gives everyone, uh, everyone being Archer, T'Pol, Mayweather, Hoshi, and Dr. Flox, the lowdown on the caves. Uh, Reed is too far down to use the transporter. They're devising a plan to get Reed out. Uh, Archer wants to avoid more casualties. He feels that if he can't make first contact with other humans, then he doesn't deserve to be out in space. Back on the planet's surface, Archer and Flocks are walking through the woods. Archer and Flocks surrender and tell the locals that they just want to see Reed. Uh, Archer and Flocks are escorted down to Reed. Archer meets with a man and a woman who appear to be the leaders of this group. Uh, the man reveals that the cave dwellers are called Novins and that they have been hunted by humans. He wants Archer, Reed, and Flocks to leave immediately. Uh, Archer says that Flox needs to treat Reed's wounds first. Uh, while he's doing that, Archer learns some more about the Novins. Uh, they've been harmed by humans before with a poison rain that forced them to go underground. Archer explains that the poison rain is the radiation and that the Novins are humans, the descendants of the colonists who came from Earth. The woman is visibly ill. Archer wants to find out what caused the radiation with the tools from his, quote, sky ship. Uh, Flux discovers that the woman, the man's mother, has lung cancer. Uh, Archer tells the Novins that Flux can make her well if they bring her back to their ship. And the man and woman will go as long as Reed stays behind as collateral. Uh, Archer and Flox bring the two Novins up to the Enterprise via the shuttle pod, and the Novins get a look at the Enterprise. In sick bay, uh, Flox is scanning the woman. She's freaking out after being locked in the scanner. Uh, while Flox is preparing her injections, Archer brings up images from their database of the Terra Nova colonists, but these two Novins went no part of it. Now, wouldn't you think she would have been a little more accustomed to cramped spaces? <laughs> yeah, I mean, living in a cave, you would think so. But, but no, she wanted out of that CAT scan, basically. Mm -hmm. Space MRI, whatever right. you want to call it. <laughs> right. Uh, Captain's star log. T'Pol found the impact crater that would be the, that could be the origin of the radiation uh, Topalzel's Archer and Trip that the impact is from an asteroid that hit the planet 70 years ago, which caused a cloud of radiation that covered the colony for about a year. In the cave, Reed is admiring the weapon the Novan Guard is holding. Uh, again, Reed is fascinated by weaponry. He's making some small talk, but the Novan Guard isn't responding. Uh, the guard starts eating, and he notices that Reed's interest is piqued. Reed is offered some food... Uh, some digger meat. Oh, here we go. Digger meat. <laughs> Diggers are this underground lizards. They look kind of like armadillos, actually. Yeah, like suspiciously like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually the first thing you see underground um, when they're the 
the away team goes down into the caverns. And so at first I'm thinking, oh, is this kind of, this is what's living on this planet now or something? But anyways. Nope, they're just a kind of vermin that are basically lizards. Although, like mm. I said, they do look like armadillos. Um, in the cave, some Novans start playing some music. <laughs> no, Novan rock. <laughs> Novan wave? Is that like... Oh. New wave? Okay, sorry, folks. <laughs> Back on Enterprise, Hoshi and Mayweather play the last communication from the Terra Nova colony uh, from Captain Mitchell. Mitchell says that no matter what Logan's threats were, they shouldn't have been attacked with radiation. Now the colonists are sick, except for the young kids. Mayweather explains that the Logan mentioned in the message is a man named Mark Logan, the head of the opposition who didn't want a second wave of colonists. Uh, Logan threatened to fire at any ship that came into orbit. Hoshi says that Mitchell's message never left the planet because there's too much debris in the atmosphere. Archer deduces that the young kids survived and remember that their parents blamed humans for destroying the colony. So now for two generations, they think humans are to blame. Uh, Flox calls Archer to sickbay. Phlox meets Archer outside sickbay, uh, the woman, Nadette. Again, I don't think we heard her name until this point. Nope, you're right. It's called late game, uh, <laughs> late game name game. Uh, so the, Nadette has been cured of her cancer, but both Nadette and her son have microcellular decay, most likely due to contaminated water supply. Mm. Uh, Phlox has no treatment for that, and it's going to get worse. Further exposure to the radiation obviously won't help. In the Situation Room, Nadette's son is adamant about staying on the planet. Archer tells them that the asteroid that hit the planet brought poisons with it. Uh, young kids can develop an immunity to them, but Phlox says the poisons have gotten into their water supply. Nadette's son isn't hearing it. Uh, Archer pulls up a photo for Nadette. It's a picture of Vera Fuller and her daughter, Bernadette. Uh, Nadette is starting to remember, but her son interrupts and tells Archer that he just wants to go back to the planet. Archer pulls T'Pol aside for a private conference. Uh, Archer is frustrated because the Novans won't accept their help. Uh, T'Pol suggests beaming stun grenades into the caves and then taking them by force. Archer doesn't want to do that, but T'Pol asks if bringing them back to Earth is the right thing to do in the first place. Uh, she tells them that you can't just take them to a strange world and hope that they conform. It will destroy their culture and identity. Uh, it's good. See, this is a case where it's good to have a, like an alien voice, uh, an mm -hmm. outsider's perspective. Archer has Trip looking into the cave system. Then he and Mayweather take a shuttle pod with Nadette and her son down to the surface. In the shuttle pod, Archer tells Nadette about another continent where the poison rain never fell. Uh, Nadette's son still thinks Archer wants to trick them to take their caves. Archer says that humans help each other, and all he asks is that Nadette talks to the other Novans about what he has proposed. The shuttle pod lands at the colony. Suddenly the ground starts shaking and the pod drops into a pit. They've fallen about eight meters down. Uh, the man is freaking out and wants to leave the pod immediately. They've ended up in one of the abandoned caves. Uh, Archer gives Nadette's son a phase pistol and goes off with them, leaving Mayweather with the shuttle. 
As the three walk through a cave, they hear screams. Nadette identifies them as coming from a man named Akari. Akari is trapped in a well. A tree has fallen on his leg, breaking it. Uh, Archer and Nadette's son agree to work together to rescue Akari. Archer slips and is about to fall, but Nadette's son saves him. Archer and Nadette's son try to lift the tree as the water is rising, uh, meaning drowning is imminent. Uh, Archer asks for the face pistol back, and he says that it's the Nadette's son's turn to trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, Archer uses the face pistol to slice through the tree, making it easier to lift, and Akari is freed. But it doesn't... <laughs> I was really worried about this, because it... you'd think that if he shot... Well, first of all, They've got a lot of control on those face pistols to be able to slice through the branch or the, <laughs> the tree trunk, but not through him. Uh, the other thing is, it looks so heavy. It took two people to lift it. Why didn't it crush him when they? <laughs> the only thing kind of not crushing him was the fact that it was over him. You'd think that if they slice through it, it would immediately just collapse and crush him. Oh. Uh... Yeah, they didn't think about that. As for the control thing, that is a good point, because before, Reed just says it has a stun and kill option, so Mm -hmm. it makes it seem like a very basic blaster, Mm -hmm. but in this episode, they show evidence that, no, there's you can fine-tune it. Yeah, it was way more like a TNG phaser, actually, when you think about it, because remember, they would use those... um, On TNG and and Voyager and, and DS9, they could use those to cut through walls and they had a sustained setting right but like you said the initial phase pistol seemed like it was just a one-shot kind of blaster mm-hmm. archer and nadette and her son bring akari back to where reed has been the whole time uh, nadette tells her son to tell the others about the islands to the south nadette remembers her mother and uh which means that the Novans are humans and that they should be that they should listen to these other humans. Uh, in Archer's dining room, Archer, Trip, Tapal, and Mayweather are eating. Mayweather asks Tapal if she's heard of other humans who have disappeared, such as Amelia Earhart, but she has not. Uh, Mayweather is excited to have found out what happened to Terranova. Archer wants Mayweather to put together the report, which will be headline news on Earth. And that's the end of the episode. Breaking news. Starship Enterprise locates Terranova colonists. That's your old-timey <laughs> Star Trek newsreel. It's interesting that they still have breaking news from space back on Earth. Yeah. I mean, this was a lost colony, lost yeah. for 70 years. So. Mm-hmm. so what did you think of this one, Justin? Um, I thought it was okay. I think it was interesting that in some ways it was a prime directive episode mm-hmm. in that uh, Archer really wanted to interfere. <laughs> I mean, really wanted to interfere as in take them from this planet and bring them back yeah. to Earth. Like basically by force. Right. But um, as Paul pointed out, it would, that's not their culture. They're not from Earth. They're from Terra Nova. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so... The compromise of moving them to somewhere else on Terra Nova was a nice mm-hmm. touch. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was going to say before I forget the you mentioned the uh, Prime Directive kind of aspect of this, and it really kind of was because at least as they were presented, they didn't know about starships and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, they were almost like a new civilization. Exactly, yeah. The, uh, I don't know, the idea of these humans who don't think that they're humans and who actually hate humans is an interesting mm-hmm. one. Um, I, I mean, I think that that is an interesting kind of story concept. Uh, but I kind of have a knee jerk, negative knee jerk reaction. Anytime I see this sort of thing where, I mean, in this case, so it's been 70 years since the catastrophe. So they said two to three generations, uh, since the asteroid hit that, um, that caused this. Um, I'm a little, so I liked this, I liked the episode in that I thought it was kind of cool that they were going to investigate what happened. Like, oh, we finally got the technology. We can go to this lost outpost. We can go to this lost colony, uh, in way less time. You know, before it took nine years each way from each way to this planet. Uh, now, you know, they can do it much faster. So why not go check this place out and see what happened? Solve this mystery. So I like that aspect of it. I liked the mystery aspect of it. But I have, like I was saying, like this kind of negative knee-jerk reaction. Whenever there's this, um, whenever you have this kind of, like, story trope, I guess, of um, civilization kind of collapsing after a very short period of time... And basically turning into like Mad Max after, <laughs> but not even that. It's like, it was almost way worse because I think in Mad Max, they kind of, they remember the world before and they aren't like kind of totally lost. They have, de- they don't have like the same technology or anything, but in this case, it was like they reverted. They were like almost not human anymore. Well, to well be- they spoke, they spoke English. A, guess, a right? form of English where they threw in words like shale, meaning oh. what lies and <laughs> uh, your path, like they're trying to block your path or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be fair to the storytellers, they did establish that the survivors were very young. Yeah. And, yeah. I was going to say that that is one thing that kind of keeps it from being super bad in my book is that idea that they were basically like, kind of lord of the flies mm-hmm. like the i mean we're guessing that if she if if the bernadette right yeah is her name the the elder the mother if she was one of the oldest people still alive there when we saw her in the photo with her mom before the accident or before the the asteroid rather um it did look like she was only like 10 years old so I'm guessing, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing if I was trying to think about it myself, I was going pretty deep into this. I'm like, what if I had been 10 years old and everyone, the only people alive around me were like 10 years old and we were forced to go live in a cave? I mean, I guess it would pretty much mess you up. Right. Because they didn't have any kind of technology or anything. It's almost like it looked like they had to leave everything on the surface and just kind of hurried underground. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's understandable. Um I guess maybe sometimes it's it seems a little kind of accelerated, like, but maybe that's the way it really would be. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know the the idea of having this colony and then this colony didn't want any more calmness on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's kind of interesting, although the planet is huge. So <laughs> right, what's the big deal, right? Yeah, like couldn't they go and establish some sort of new colony, like a sister colony, or even land on a different continent 
and start, you know, colonizing there. I mean, that would probably make the most sense. Yeah, why were the Terra Novans so territorial? Like, they were <laughs> super concerned that these newcomers were going to come and, like, totally cramp their style <laughs> and take up all their room and stuff when, you know, that might not even have been the case. Also, you know, you kind of think that the people they'd choose for this mission would be more along the lines of, like, I don't know, like, professional people that would understand that it's like, oh, this is a professional situation. Like, <laughs> we're being sent here on a mission. We can't just say no when uh, they want to send more colonists, but who knows? Um, I did, oh, I do really like the, um, what you pointed out that I hadn't even thought about was this is basically like an analogy to the Roanoke colony, um, which was, you know, famously, uh, as you said, people can look it up, but basically like the first colony uh, in America and, or, you know, the, what is now the United States and also famously everyone went missing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was very, very obviously supposed to be something like that. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't really grow the characters too much. Mm. Um, no, uh, it was just Archer again being like, I'm going to do my things the Archer way. <laughs> and, you know, to Paul kind of having to, you know, talk him down from it. So. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting to note that, uh, the story is by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Again, right. They're heavily involved in this series. Yeah. From the beginning. Um, they didn't write it though. The teleplay was by someone mm -hmm. else. Uh, and it was directed by LeVar Burton. Oh, that's right. Ha! Huh. I knew there was some reason I liked this one of the previous <laughs> episodes. Um, yeah, we had mentioned that, that, that last episode that, uh, LeVar was going to be involved with this one. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. So Hoshi basically wasn't in this episode. Right. Might as well not have been. It seemed like everyone else but her got some significant screen time. I almost think that, um, I mean, at least they didn't. It, what bothers me, I think, about this kind of story where, you know, things have collapsed after, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, what is that they is when they go the route where they've lost. Uh, there's a show that that, that I saw another sci fi show that I watched called um, The Hundred. And it's, you know people come back to an earth that's been abandoned for a while. And the people who were left behind on earth, spoiler alert, uh, they, they basically don't speak English anymore. They speak this kind of weird kind of pigeon language. Um, and, uh, it, it was just always kind of like, wow, they've even lost the ability, you know, they've lost all knowledge of even their prior language, but this on uh enterprise, it seems like it almost would have been a good situation or a good, um, uh, scenario for Hoshi to have to, you know, be able to communicate with these people, mm -hmm. like specifically like, Oh, they've, I mean, it, I guess it was, it was easy for them with their advanced technology to determine, Oh, these are humans. These are definitely not aliens. They're humans based on their DNA or whatever. Um, but another component of that, I guess could have been Hoshi saying, Oh, I can, I can understand what they're saying. You know, it's, but maybe that would have been too tortured, like too drawn out, like, you know, having that almost have been like having to find a reason to have her there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would feel a little bit forced, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but they really haven't done much with her since she had her solo episode. Right. 
she kind of had her breakdown <laughs> yeah. for space madness. Uh, it was interesting. Is, I don't know if it's fun or not that uh, Malcolm, like every time there's any scenario involving weaponry, he kind of loses it, <laughs> kind of goes crazy for it. And he's like, Oh God, I, Oh, I know that gun. That's the, you know, and he's like talking with the, the Terra Novan. He's like, Oh, is that this type of gun or this model of gun? He's a gun otaku. Um, he he's a gun nut. He's Enterprise. He's like if uh, he wasn't on Enterprise, he'd be holed up somewhere, like prepping for Doomsday with his you know space shotgun <laughs> and his uh, space rations. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, you know that's his character, and it's still within, yeah, yeah. in line with his character, which is it's, cool. It's I think it's cool that this show has a, a someone who's like the military slash weapons officer. Um, you I mean, even when you had someone who was like that on, uh, TNG with Worf, who was, you know, that mix of security and weapons, you know, he didn't really get into it. It wasn't like, oh, this, you know, phase blaster has a, you know, 69 megawatt range or something. Uh, it was just more like, I fire the photon torpedoes. <laughs> Whereas I get the sense with, uh, Malcolm, he is like, you know, that's his thing. Like, he's super into the weaponry. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, um, you know, Chip Trip's super into the engineering aspect. And, you know, uh, Mayweather's super into being the young <laughs> spacefaring ensign. And Hoshi's you know? super into language. Yeah. And, well, Phlox is super into medicine. Yeah. And T'Pol's super into being Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, so that begs the question, what is Archer super into? Archer seems to be super into being hokey. <laughs> He's still a bit hokey, yeah. Yeah, this one, it wasn't quite as bad. Um, I felt like, uh, definitely the, the, uh, Trip Gets Preggers episode was, was hokey to the extreme in a way. Uh, and, uh, you know, even some of the ones, even some of the previous episodes were, were kind of hokey. Uh, this was one that felt a little more like, like a traditional Star Trek episode. And I can't say it was because LeVar Burton directed it because the previous episodes have been directed by people who've directed plenty of other Trek episodes. Yeah. I think it was so. just the uh, subject matter felt more mm-hmm. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Looking for a looking, I mean, the last episode, um, uh, Strange New World, or I guess it was not the last one, but Strange New World, I mean, that was, uh, that was really, like, straightforward. I think that one, though, the story, it was almost like the story for that one was very similar to the story for this one. Oh, investigating the world where there don't seem to be any people. Only, in this time, instead of it being hallucinations, there were really people there. But they were just human, <laughs> human colonists who moved underground. They never and get lived to in caverns, like the peep, like the rock people oh. supposedly did. Oh my goodness, this is the same episode. It's the same episode, folks. <laughs> Sorry, it took half an hour to figure that out. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the Andorian incident. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. Anytime you've got incident in there, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. Why does that sound familiar? Andorians. Andorians were from uh, classic. The original series. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, now that's exciting. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you then. 